Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we've come to the end of the liturgical year, and the Church asks us at the end of the liturgical year to meditate upon Christ the King. That's our feast for today. Jesus Christ is king. You know, some years ago I heard a homily, and the priest said, we shouldn't say Christ the king, because that doesn't mean much to contemporary Americans. We should say Christ the president, or Christ the prime minister, or Christ the speaker of the house. Well, I think it was a well-meaning homily, but I quite disagree with it. The problem is, if you say Christ is president, or prime minister, it means someone that we have a good deal of control over. You don't like the president, we'll vote him out. Don't like the prime minister, well, his government will fall. Don't like the speaker of the house, every two years you have a chance to vote him out. I'm in favor of all those things politically, but they're not good analogies for Christ. Christ is king. That is to say, the one power that must order our lives, the one to whom a total allegiance and obedience is due. If we say, well, Christ is someone I can listen to when I feel like it, to some degree, I'll take his recommendations, but then I'll think about the other ones. Or even at the limit, someone I can vote out. That's inappropriate. Christ must be the king of our lives. Let me put it now in a more New Testament setting. One of the most basic forms of the Christian kerygma, that means the Christian proclamation, is this. Jesus Curios. Jesus the Lord. You see it all over Paul's writings. It comes up in the Gospels. It comes up in the earliest Christian proclamations. Jesus is the Kyrios, the Lord. Well, you say, okay, I know what that means. It means he's the spiritual Lord of my life. Yes, indeed, it means that. But it also, in the first century, had a very provocative political overtone. Why? Well, because... Caesar had the title Curios. If you wanted to know who was the Lord of your life in the ancient world, well, you said Caesar, the great Roman emperor. How remarkable, how revolutionary that the first Christians, especially Paul, said Caesar is not the Curios. Jesus is the Curios. Now notice something, please. Paul spent a lot of his time in jail. Not surprisingly, when you make that kind of provocative statement in the midst of the Roman Empire, that's where you're going to end up. The popes, for the first, oh, roughly century and a half of the church's life, were martyred. All the apostles, with the exception of St. John, were martyred. The church, for the first three centuries of its life, endured steady persecution. 
They knew the implications of this claim that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jesus Christ is the King. He's the one who has the final say in ordering our lives. Notice too, please, political rulers come across pretty poorly in the New Testament. Think of Herod, who pursues Jesus from the moment that he's born, who trembles when he hears the news of the birth of this new king. Think of Herod's son, who beheads John the Baptist, who persecutes Jesus, who is there contributing to Jesus being sent to the cross. Think of the scribes and Pharisees. Think of the members of the Jewish establishment, often seen as corrupt, self-absorbed. In today's Gospel, we see Jesus now coming into contact with one more of these political rulers. This time, it's Pontius Pilate, Caesar's local representative in Palestine. Listen to how this conversation goes. Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own, or have others been telling you about me? I am no Jew, Pilate retorted. It's your own people and the chief priests who've handed you over to me. Are you a king? Why is Jesus' answer here rather evasive? Because he knows what Pilate means by king. He knows the model that Pilate has in his mind of Roman kingship, Roman authority. Pilate was a typical Roman governor, concerned with order, fairly brutal, clear, violent, supporting a system of domination. That's what kingship meant to Pilate. So when he said to Jesus, are you a king? Jesus is at first evasive because he's saying, I'm not that kind of king. I know what you mean by it. Listen now how it goes on. Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my subjects would be fighting to save me. There's the whole story in many ways. My kingdom does not belong to this world. Now, we have to be careful. This doesn't mean that somehow Jesus' way of ordering things, Jesus' kingdom, is ethereal and otherworldly and not concerned with day-to-day -day matters of peace and justice, not concerned with worldly politics. Oh, it's in some other spiritual, ethereal realm. No. In John's Gospel especially, the word world has a double valence. On the one hand, it's the world that God loved so much, the world that God created. God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. But in the second sense in John, the world means that whole realm of sin, of corruption, of violence, of domination. The world in the negative sense is what Jesus has come to save and to correct. And so when he says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, he means it in that negative sense. My way of being and my way of ordering things is not yours. Not based upon stratification. Not based upon domination. Not based upon fear and the threat of violence. 
My kingdom does not belong to this world. And again, the giveaway line. If it were of this world, my subjects would be fighting to save me. That's the key. Roman authority, yours, Pilate, is based upon fear and violence. Not mine. Mine's an order, yes. It's a kingship, yes indeed. Meant to structure and order the world, yes. But it's not of your world. You know, three centuries after the New Testament period, the greatest Christian theologian, Augustine, wrote a book called The City of God. The City of God is deeply informed by this biblical vision. At the heart of the argument of the City of God is the claim that Rome, which was seen by everyone as the paragon of justice, the paragon of right order, law, order, right, is in fact phony, false, and fallen. How come? Because Augustine argued Roman order has from the beginning been based upon violence, fear, the threat of war. The door to the temple of the god of war has been opened from the very beginning of Roman history. And the whole pseudo-order of the empire is based upon stratification, division, domination, violence. Augustine says the only true order is the one born of the gospel of Jesus Christ. An order predicated now on forgiveness, compassion, nonviolence, and love. That's the kingdom. That's the city of God, which exists often as a little seed in the midst of the city of man in Augustine's language. That's the new kingship of Christ, existing maybe in very small, seminal form in the midst of the kingdoms of the world. Notice, please, Pilate, after this conversation, sends Jesus to the cross, anticipating those martyrdoms I spoke of earlier. When you speak of a new kingdom, a new way of ordering things, you run afoul of the old order. And so Pilate sends him to the cross. But Christians, on that cross, we see displayed the kingship of Christ the King. He's crowned with a crown of thorns, not the scepter of worldly kings drawing attention to themselves, with a crown of thorns, with the acceptance of punishment, with the acceptance of suffering. Christ reigns from a throne, yes indeed, but not a throne that elevates Him for self-aggrandizement, but on the throne of the cross itself, St. John said it, when Christ is raised up on the cross as on a throne, he will draw all people to himself. What's the mark of Christ's kingdom? Love, compassion, forgiveness of one's enemies, nonviolence. Oh, that's a nice dream. No, it's the order of Christ the King. Oh, that's a nice spiritual ideal. No, it's the way that Jesus becomes the curios of the world. The whole point of the New Testament is that that way must now become the way by which all human society, all human culture, all human politics are governed and ordered.
just now a few closing thoughts. Something which should give us pause. We Americans live in what is the Rome of today. By which I mean the great power, the superpower, the great worldly authority. Are we the final say? Not if we're Christians. Christians still maintain Christ is King. I love being an American, and I think America is a wonderful culture, and it's a wonderful political society. I'm grateful to live in it. But you know what? Jefferson is not the king. Washington is not the king. George W. Bush is not the king. Christ is the king. And therefore, this nation, like every other nation across space and time, comes under the judgment of a higher authority. Good things in our culture? Yes, indeed. Thank God for them. Lots of them. But are there things we ought to notice in our culture, in our society, in our political arrangement that are not so savory? Sure. What does our culture countenance? Abortion on a massive scale? Euthanasia? The stockpiling of nuclear weapons? Our city streets have become killing fields? Is there a lot to complain about? in our system of domination? Are there many elements that are not of the gospel? Yes, indeed. And on this feast of Christ the King, we are asked, as we give our total allegiance to Him, listen, reigning from the cross, as we give our allegiance to Him, we can and should look back on any and all political arrangements, including our own, and honestly assess them, honestly place them under judgment, all the time realizing no earthly authority has the final say in our lives, but Christ the King reigning from the cross. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Puzzled by school meal programs? Let FSP help you put the pieces together. How? FSP offers healthy, student-tested breakfast, lunch, and snack plans, fresh from our kitchens each day. Quality, service, affordability, that's what FSP has offered since 1970. To take advantage of this program, call us at 773-385-5103. FSP, we're more than a school food service.